Well, good morning, Sterling. I love you so much, and I am grateful to be back with you. Um, it is an honor to be in this room because I firmly believe that you all are being shaped to change your world. And that is not a small thing. Each and every one of us has a purpose. Each and every one of us has a destiny. And how we are shaped in our formative years is directly tied to what we do and how we live. And so the fact that I get to come and share briefly from the Word of God, which transforms our lives, is so absolutely amazing. It is indeed a pleasure to be with you, and I thank you for this opportunity. We're going to be in Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter number four, we're going to begin at the first verse. And Acts chapter four comes in a very pivotal time in the life of the church. And I think it's important because there are some things that I hope to share with you today that will leave you with an encouragement and a challenge as you go as you live your life, as you make decisions, as you grow and go in the things of God, as you consider faith, and as you live in whatever faith that you choose to believe, that Christ gives us and centers us in a way that is transformative. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And then when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Pause for a moment. We're looking at a people who are persecuted because of a good deed done to a blind man. And so these religious leaders who were kind of annoyed at Paul and annoyed at Peter, rather, and annoyed at John, they were looking at them uh, skeptically and asking the question, how did you do what you did for this man? They weren't congratulating them. They weren't patting them on the back. Uh, they were annoyed because something outside of their control happened and something new was occurring in the earth that they couldn't control and they couldn't mute. And so they said, by what power or by what name did you do this? Verse 8, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the key. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by people, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. 
and there is salvation and no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I say all of that to get to our key verse, verse number 13 of Acts 4 that says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceiving that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Relationships are, (laughs) there are a whole lot of things, and the same relationship that can harm is the same mechanism in our lives that is used to heal. And so Peter and John, who were disciples, learners, followers of Jesus, were in relationship with him to the point that they were marked by his very presence, his very name, his very existence. They couldn't get away from the transformation that happened because of their relationship with Jesus. Beloved, it is important to note here that they were not even in the same space that you're in. They were uneducated. They were common. They were considered ordinary uh, by these religious leaders. But there was something extraordinary that had not only happened to them, but that was happening in them that left them marked that left them different. It wasn't, um, it wasn't their ability. It wasn't um, their strength. It wasn't their ingenuity. It was something super on their natural that caused something to happen that wasn't normally the case. It caused there to be a crippled man to be made well, not because they were great, but because of the one they served who was great. And they were marked by Jesus so much that as they continued to talk, as they continued to live life, other people who didn't even agree with them noticed who they were following, noticed who they were serving, noticed who they were uh, being led by. And they were, they were marked by Jesus to the degree that other people recognized, wait a minute, you, you've been with Jesus. You didn't just learn about him. You just didn't quote things about him. You couldn't just say that you checked a tally box. No, you, you've been in a relationship with someone who has transformed your very life. That is what the Christian walk is. It's a Christian. It is Christ-like. I look like the one who transformed me. The one who gave me my my heart of flesh out of a heart of stone is the same one whose fruit that I bear throughout my life. This is why the fruit of the Spirit is so vital is that we get to show forth the fruit of our relationship. That as I continue to love and have peace and joy and self-control, it's just evidence of who I'm in relationship with. And they found themselves in a situation where they were persecuted because of the name of Jesus, his very character, his very nature, his very essence. They were, they were persecuted for doing good because they were living out the purposes for which they were created, that they were created to be witnesses of the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so they were brought on trial here because of a healing. And they said that, that this man was raised from the dead. This man was raised from his crippling situation, not because of anything that we did, not because of any power that we have in and of ourselves. It is because of our relationship with the one who is above all, the relationship with the one who is mighty, who is holy, who is different, who is set apart, who is unique. This is the reason why we can live the life we live 
live, not because of our own effort, not because of our own ingenuity, but because of our utter dependence on the one who created us, who designs us, and who defends us. And so their very defense was their relationship with the one who gave them life, the one who showed them how to be and what to live, showed them that this is something that is an outward expression of an inward reality, that we've been transformed from the inside out, and therefore we have been marked. And it doesn't always look the same in every situation, but there is something that is different when we have been in the presence of Jesus. When we have been in the very presence of God, we leave transformed and the world is impacted for better. That we come and gather together, uh, not only in this setting, but also gather together as the church so that we might be empowered to go into the world and be light in darkness, be love in situations of hate, be grace in places of judgment, that we may go and show forth the goodness of Jesus through our lives. And when people look at our lives, they're like, man, there's something different about you. It's not, it's not the way you dress. It's not how you hold yourself. It's not anything external. There is something in you that is markedly different than anything else around you. And this is why the scriptures speak in the gospels about how you don't light a light and then put it under a blanket or a bushel or a basket. You don't light a light and then hide it. We light a light so that we would shine ever the more, even in the midst of darkness. And that God has called us and given us an example here in Acts chapter 4 of a people who were marked by Jesus, who were literally just going to pray. If we look at Acts chapter 3, they were just minding their business, going to the temple to pray. They encountered a need, met the need, not by their own strength, but by the strength of Jesus. And now they're on trial for doing good. But even in this situation, God is getting glory out of it because he's showing himself mighty and strong. As we continue to read throughout the rest of this particular chapter, we find ourselves uh, bamboozled and, and, the, and the religious leaders find themselves perplexed that they're like, well, we can't punish them for good because that would set a bad precedent, but we can't acknowledge the good they did because then we would lose our power. And so we're in a pickle because we can't say, oh, yeah, y'all are great because that means other people will follow them. But we can't say y'all are terrible because other people already realize that's not true. And because they're living in something that's undeniable, we have to figure out, we have to figure out a way to censor them and to silence them. And so in verse 18, um, it says they called Peter and John back in and they said, OK, um, we're not going to charge you with any crime, but you can no longer speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You can talk about whatever else you want to talk about. You can do whatever else you want to do. But, but we charge you, do not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Because there's something that happens when you speak about Jesus. There's something that happens when you teach about Jesus that we can't control and we don't like that you're shifting and changing everything around us. So yeah, don't do it. Peter and John answered them in verse 19 of Acts 4. It says, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, um, you're going to have to handle that on your, on your own. Verse 20 says, for we cannot but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. 
Jesus says, and as a theme scripture for this year, in Matthew chapter 28, he's like, I need you to go and make other people like yourself. I need you to go and make disciples of all nations. I need you, he speaks about it in Acts chapter 1, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I need you to do that, but I need you to wait for the Holy Spirit, which comes in Acts chapter 2, which gives you power, which gives you ability, which gives you strength to be the witness. It's like having a phone but have no charge. So you have capability, but you don't have ability to move in that capability because you don't have power. He said, I need you to wait on power. They got power, and this is the result. They've been marked by the presence of Jesus, walking in relationship to him. They've been marked by the power of Jesus fulfilling what he said they would do, that they would be his witnesses. They would be able to do what he did. And now they are marked by the purpose of Jesus, which is to seek and to save that which is lost. They said, we can't but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. And so the religious leaders, they just gave up. They're like, hey, man, don't do it. You're going to get in trouble again. And I love what happened afterwards. Verse 23, when they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God. It's amazing that when they faced persecution, they didn't quit. They prayed. And they prayed unto God together with their friends. And they said, Lord, sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And why did the people's plot in vain? Verse 26 says, and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, who you anointed, who you marked both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That Jesus was born to die so that we could be born again. Verse 29 is wonderful, and it's where where we're coming in for a landing. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants the ability to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. My whole my whole crux of what I would love to share with you is that we would be marked by Jesus. In whatever situation and state that we find ourselves in, we would know that the same God who created the universe is the same God who has designed and marked us for a purpose that is beyond even our own comprehension. And we see here Peter and John were persecuted, were were brought under pressure for doing good, and yet they did not relent. They didn't stop because they faced terrible times and bad days. They they pressed in even further into the very presence of God. And they allowed the power of God to be the thing that fueled their very life. That they lived out in the presence of God for the purposes of God with the power of God. My prayer for you has always been and will always be that you would be marked by Jesus. That as world changers, you would change the world for good. 
that the Lord would be, continue to be the one that, that motivates and guides and shows you the course of life. And this is what it means to be marked by Jesus, that we are marked by his presence, we're marked by his power, and we live in his purposes. Let us pray. Father, I pray today that we would see the example of Peter and John in Acts chapter number four, and we would notice what it takes to live a life of significance. It's not based on our own ability. It's not based on what we can do or not do. It is based on this surrender, this dependency on the one to whom gives us life. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room and under the sound of my voice, I pray that we would not be, we would not be persuaded out of the purpose for which we are created. I pray that as Peter and John, who were ordinary men, were used in extraordinary ways because of their relationship with Jesus. My prayer is that each of us and all of us would have a relationship with him that goes beyond filling in a box, doing this, not doing that, that it is a dynamic, wonderful, transformative journey of walking with Jesus and him transforming for the good every area of our life. Were Peter and John perfect? No, but Father, their lives were marked by your presence, by your power, by your purpose, by the design that you have for their life. And I loved what they did after they faced hardship. They came back together with the rest of the body and said, Lord, continue to stretch out your hand. Continue to make a tremendous impact in the life of not only ourselves, but those around us. Stretch out your hand to heal and continually show yourself mighty. And your response was shaking the house that they were in, that they would not be shaken because they stand on the sure foundation of Jesus. My prayer is for those that may not know you, that they would find the invitation that you have given for them to come and dine, come to your table and feast upon who you are and be very transformed. And for those who know you, may we be strengthened and guided by the fact that you transform us from the inside out. Be with them forever and a day. In Jesus' name, amen.